Welcome to the Maitripa College podcast. Maitripa College is a Tibetan Buddhist institution of higher education founded by Yangtze Rinpoche in 2005 in Portland, Oregon. We offer two graduate degree programs, a Master of Arts in Buddhist Studies and a Master of Divinity, as well as classical Tibetan language studies. Founded upon three pillars of scholarship, meditation, and service, the Maitripa College curriculum combines Western academic, contemplative learning, and traditional Tibetan Buddhist disciplines. Through the development of wisdom and compassion, our graduates are empowered with a sense of responsibility to work joyfully for the well-being of others. They become agents of positive change in the world and are shaping the development of Buddhism in the West. As scholar practitioners, chaplains, professional translators, doctoral degree candidates, leaders in the nonprofit world, educators, and more. We invite you to join us to make your practice your life. In this week's episode, Yangtze Rinpoche addresses the Maitripa College Sunday Morning Community Program with a discussion on getting unstuck, balancing the ultimate and the conventional. I was lately reflecting into the concept of a true truth. Uh, in my Sunday morning, the concept of true truth may be a little bit philosophical, heavy, <laughs> but I was just kind of under my mind. Um, maybe for our human psychology to, to create a balance with the inner world and external world, maybe the conventional reality is way too balancing external world from your point of view. Uh, ultimate reality is may becomes how to balance your own inner world. Uh, it's just I'm making up. <laughs> There's nothing something like that in the sutras and Nagarjuna's writing. It's it kind of like a new age version of a true truth. <laughs> Uh, <clears throat> I think in uh, historically in Tibet, when there's such a concept and the uh, world view, when it came, it went through that kind of in a s period of time. It went to emphasis so strong into the ultimate reality and kind of like a, you know conventional reality. Just don't don't bother. <laughs> just kind of throw out and and, and uh, you know. It have also kind of went, you know, over extreme, and then, you know, particularly, you know, Lama Tsongkhapa, he's, he's known for that. Somehow, he's trying to kind of like uh, giving some credit for conventional reality and conventional truth. <laughs> he's known for that uh, to to bring back some kind of, because fundamentally, uh, from the Nagarjuna point of view, from the minor teaching point of view, all the Buddha's teaching is a basis in the two reality, you know, teaching is in a kind of, and the two reality, if it's not kind of a like a fundamentally how our human thought and process kind of relevant, it's not, this is not something rooted into there, then I think like the teaching becomes kind of theistic teaching and guidance because it's something that suddenly there is a kind of like a divine invention and something extraordinary. So since Buddha's teaching is nothing, something like that, how our human thoughts and process working based on that, it would have kind of like evolved. 
So, um, so now I think uh, conventional reality, the conventional truth, or conventional reality is part of our communication department, <laughs> part of <laughs> part of our own, <laughs> you know, and the uh, ultimate truth. I don't know what kind of department that is. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, if 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 we have a s if if there is no foundation of a ultimate reality and basically just kind of like a conventional reality, then of course all the movement and any kind of interaction will be based on a fear, based on a you know kind of like a fear is something that is a fear driven. Uh, so therefore, any kind of a communication and interaction with the world to be a genuine and fearless, I think they have to have a kind of like a truth of ultimate reality. Yeah, that's some kind of like a way to look at it. So, of course, <coughs> individual karma is not necessarily perfect. The world, how you relate to the karmic circumstances, not necessarily perfect. But somehow we are able to move forward you know, through the state of a fearlessness, because of our conventional reality is standing based on our own embodiment of ultimate truth and ultimate reality. <coughs> okay. So, so, in in the in the fundamentally, uh, what I'm trying to say is uh, <coughs> our emotions. Is almost like a, uh, there's no safety net. There's no kind of like a sense of uh, safe feeling because it was a lack of a standing into the conventional truth. And I'm sorry, <laughs> ultimate truth. So it is there, it is there with a kind of sense of sense of fear, sense of, you know, like for example, uh, we as a human being, we want to have a sense of a belonging, sense of, a, you know, there's a sense of a home, sense of that uh, you feel <coughs> you know, so in, in, in the same way, uh, conventional reality is kind of like a searching for home, <laughs> searching for belonging, is active in the engaging. But uh, once we doesn't stand based on ultimate truth, the, the, the within the true truth, the ultimate truth, then yes, sense of a belonging, pretty much looking into the external world. You know, so therefore, uh, I think. Uh, <coughs> Uh, this kind of like a world, that conventional world that evolves in our own individual life, if we kind of stands into that kind of ev evolution into the ultimate truth. Uh, and what that means, ultimate truth. Uh, You know, 
we as an individual person can participate into the ultimate reality. Can we say that? Can I participate? Can I, can I learn about ultimate truth? Uh, how I can integrate the ultimate truth? Um, and, uh, well, we can have all these methods and the process we're looking, but in ultimately, Basically, <clears throat> that awareness, the mind, that is not influenced by the conventional reality, is the way to integration of ultimate truth. I think is there's a third truth. You know, maybe there's a two truth. There's a three truth. <laughs> Why not Buddha make three truth? <laughs> What will be the third truth? Will be maybe the, huh? Yes, <laughs> yeah, this is a, this is a, you know, we can kind of look at it. <coughs> so basically, why, what I'm saying is, uh, I think that not caught into that interruption of a conventional reality into the, our thoughts and emotion process naturally evolves ultimate truth. It's not necessarily ultimate truth as a something that we need to kind of, uh, you know, without, the, you know, our expectation is a conventional reality, the conventional truth is so messy and uh, crowded and confusing and we want, don't want to deal with that at all. Without dealing with that, we want to have a separate way to dealing, evolving ultimate truth. <laughs> and uh, that's our expectation, but somehow, you know, that's all the time. You know, we have too much messy. Let's, let's put that aside and let's try to get. So I think a way of, how you say, standing or evolving the ultimate reality, ultimate truth, is uh, basically we need to work with the inch by inch, you know, uh, tremendous vision, way to solve the complex of a conventional reality uh, through small steps of steps of, uh, you know, to way to, way to working this kind of lojong mind, way to not to uh, interfere, way to kind of like a, way to kind of like a healing the, our awareness, you know, basically ultimate state of a healed our thoughts and emotions is I think maybe that's the ultimate truth. Ultimate truth is nothing something discovery is a state of a being of our own awareness. You know, sometimes we have a kind of like a ultimate truth is something to do, kind of like a, oh, yeah, I got it, you know. I think it's not something like that. Okay, this is something just state of a being. Uh, like for example, in <coughs> in a particularly in High Yoga Tantra, concept of ultimate truth was discussed. Was what is ultimate truth? Is this basically clear light mind is the ultimate truth? The mind itself is the ultimate truth. Mind itself is not necessarily trying to discover some kind of truth. It's just mind itself, state of a mind that itself is the ultimate truth. Okay, so <coughs> so. 
so fundamentally, I think <coughs> uh, you know our day to daily basis of communication, you know, like when we get so much tense. Uh, I think we are basically running through conventional reality, and there's no kind of like home, and uh, f I say <coughs> sense of container where it can uh, even there's a chaos with the conventional truth and the way you we interact with the, that reality, but still, you know, because of uh, that container, because of uh, that ultimate truth. Uh, standing into the base of the ultimate truth, I think <coughs> uh, it will be still not hopeless. There's some hope, I think. You know, so another way to look at it, maybe true tr concept of a true truth, is uh, maybe this is just I'm kind of like a randomly thinking. You know, so is this is a is a conventional truth is much more into our own karmic disposition, in individual karmic disposition, collected karmic dispositions. And a conventional truth is that's a really complex and a dilemma and a complicate. We cannot live without that. We have to kind of move through this one. And uh, ultimate truth as a kind of like a strength or foundation that how can solve through this kind of a dilemma of a karmic disposition, individual karmic disposition and collected karmic disposition. So basically, one you know, ultimate truth is a basically uh, a truth that allow us uh, kindly, gently, will to move through the karmic, complex karmic dispositions of a individual and collectedness and so basically you know ultimate truth as a way to is not so much about something to discover is a fundamental kind of foundation how we're going to work with our own karma and collected karma so karma is a, uh, the reason why we are talking about the karma is a, because a karma is a you know generally speaking karma is a very individual kind of like a mark individual sign individual way of uh, in, uh, <coughs> so uh, but uh, we are in a, a relative wo world an interdependent world so there is an effect and influence so So, so meditation in meditation or this truth, ultimate truth, is the way to kind of navigating through the karmic dispositions. Okay. Anyway, um, what I'm saying, I have no idea. <laughs> so, so basically, uh, now, now, you know, our. Our teaching, and so basically, my key point over here, maybe Buddha's teaching of a true truth is okay. He is giving us some key message that how we can survive in chaos samsara. Basically, okay, you know, uh, you know how to navigate, how to navigate this life. <laughs> A friend of mine just said, "Okay, there's one another day I have to <laughs> pass through." <laughs> so, uh, so this life, 
this continuity of awareness, how to navigate and uh, um, so so like for example, our daily practice and daily meditation and daily uh, uh, I think when we boil down our whatever practice we're doing, when we boil down, we have to I think stand into our true truth, you know true 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 truth. If we are not able to see our <coughs> reality, our true truths, kind of like a transforming into our daily practice, and our daily practice kind of summarizing into the back into the true truth, which is basically my own existence, is nothing something separate. And if we're not able to kind of see from that perspective, then our daily practice may become kind of like a very uh, theistic, you know, okay, I did my practice, I hope Buddha heard, <laughs> Mother Tara heard, and maybe send me some kind of good karma. <laughs> if, if that doesn't happen, then you st you're starting to kind of like, I'm not sure, <laughs> is happening, eh? or is listening to me, <laughs> hey Buddha, listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, venting machine. Yeah, yeah. So, <coughs> so I think uh, we we I think uh, more the possibility our own inner Buddha will going to listen more. We can really knock the door of our own inner Buddha than the Buddha in some way in the, in the pure land. <laughs> okay. So, the, you know, basically, if we strategize, if we want to, if we want to communicate with the Buddha, I think. There's a more chance <laughs> of communicating with our own inner Buddha, <laughs> with the nature. Uh, so, <coughs> uh, so I, I uh, so key point over here. Um, you know, like <coughs> you know, so basically two ingredients: ingredients of a true unconventional reality, ingredients of ultimate reality. You know. So basically, our own daily practice, our own daily meditation, having these two ingredients, I think, will become fundamental. Uh, and uh, <coughs> karma that we will going to integrate it, karma that we are kind of involved, some voluntarily, some involuntarily <laughs> involved. So this, how we're going to navigate these through is again having fundamental kind of like uh, this, uh, when we are overwhelmed by conventional reality, we can uh, retreat into the ultimate truth. Through retreating ultimate truth, we can re-energize and able to move forward to the world of a conventional reality. So I think that kind of like way we see our own base, in a, basically ultimate reality and ultimate truth, uh, which is basically my ultimate nature of my mind is the ultimate truth. We can we can say maybe my true truth. <laughs> you know, we have a my guru, my teacher, my my bank, my my doctor, my true truth. Maybe we should say that my ultimate truth. We should kind of claim my own ultimate truth, <laughs> my own ultimate truth, my own conventional truth. Otherwise, somehow in the middle there is the conventional truth and ultimate truth somehow 
in the playground the way you're going to play it. So as a seeing, as a my own ultimate truth is my own uh, ultimate nature of my own mind in myself. You know, kind of like a. Okay, so now, <coughs> now conventional reality, as we were talking earlier, the karma and so on and so forth. You know, due to that, uh, renunciation, you know, without ultimate reality foundation, that renunciation can be much more depressive, more frustrated, more kind of. Annoyed, annoyed renunciation. You can say maybe, <laughs> you know, sometimes it's like I want to go away. There's no people, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I also like can be like there is a there is a some kind of detach, yes, and but there is a reaction base of a renunciation. So that's you know, is it can have a still space to transform. But once we stand into the, that kind of like interaction, conventional reality, chaos, complex, and complicated, and uh, somehow we did that kind of like a approach in our life, coming back into the ultimate reality, then again trying to kind of move back. Once we're only standing in conventional reality, as I saying that. Uh, very lonely journey that you, you, you have no sense of a belonging, sense of refuge. So ultimate truth, which really gives yet is nothing is a perfect and complex, but there is a, that kind of like a foundation in the home that you can that kind of like a stand. So base, so renunciation, which is a base on the interaction in the true truth, maybe that renunciation have a much more kind of like inspiration and a much more kind of not necessarily reactive, but it's clearly aware of the complex, but move through non-reactive way, it might have a more kind of compassionated element rather than a reactive element because it have a it have a support system, it have a you know fundamental foundation to support through ultimate reality and ultimate truth. <coughs> So, Okay. Yeah, as, yeah, so, <coughs> you know, 
as I mentioned, I think earlier, abiding our awareness into state of a non-interference of a conventional world. So, but basically, standing in ultimate reality, basically two steps: meditation in Shine and meditation in Lhaktong. <laughs> this is a, I mean, like a, when you say meditation in in Shine. Uh, it is uh, basically Shine meditation is basically trying to stay mind into very balance. And Lhaktong meditation is not only balance, but you know you're able to move through the balance. You know, so ultimate truth. Uh, when I say standing into the ultimate truth, if I would use very, you know, Shine mind, Lhaktong mind, then it's something like that mind that is a totally stand. Um, I say interact with the state of a balanced mind is the way to stand into the ultimate truth, which is a basically somehow able to navigate through the interference of a conventional reality and conventional world. You know, so basically, concept of a true truth is not. I think is that's how it's how we inter interaction and how we move and how we live. I think that's the basically. There's nothing, something kind of like a very something to discover you know ultimate truth is nothing to something to discover discover about something i think and when we look at it from discovering about something then still there's a gap and then even you discover that then still you are in the same spot you know so it is not Discovering about something is a secondary, but the being into the state of a balance and able to interact, non-reactive, is the way to standing into the ultimate truth. Is the wording was a little bit strange, but that's the I think the really when you go through when you talk more further in a particularly in a <coughs> in a practice in a much more deeper level of a true truth. True truth is not about discovery. True truth is not about object. It's much more about the subject. <coughs> okay, I hope I didn't confuse you with my new age idea of a true truth. <laughs> yes. <coughs> Sometimes when we look at for like what different teachers they advise and uh, how we navigate, how we take this one. So I think should we take as a very literally all time, any time, any given time, or there is a time to take this very literally and then navigate through that. It's just kind of like a, I think there's a time to time in our life. I think 
yes we should stay as a log and kind of like a, be a little bit stubborn and just kind of <laughs> uh, not necessarily trying to transform the things you know so i think it is just kind of like a moving journey you know when you're trying to integrate all these different advice and guidelines into the, our practice so but now at the in the detail level it is just kind of like a very moving sometimes very log kind of st step and sometimes there's a trend. So there's a kind of very moving states. But the, in the overall, in the bigger picture, then how we see is like a fundamentally the balancing to truth. It's not st just being st stubborn into the one area. It's not about that. As a, so as a teaching and the lojong, as a, I think there's a, as a holistic as a vision, as a bigger picture, and there's a detail into the you know, situation and circumstances you're dealing with individually. So having that kind of like a kind of seeing both the bigger picture, the vision and the way to dealing with the detail. So I think definitely. So what happened is uh, somehow in the early time it's caught into the two detail and there's a kind of like a came in the kind of maybe the conventional reality is just not, not matters at all. And uh, that is losing again the bigger picture of our, of the of the existence. So, <coughs> so I think so. Basically, we as individual persons, so we cannot stay all the time this kind of bigger picture. You know, we have to face with uh, detail. Uh, in you know, of course, in the. Uh, in, in our individual life, then we have to kind of going back and forth. You know, we're not necessarily caught into the detail, but uh, and also being into the, that kind of bigger picture of ultimate reality, and balance of a true truth. You know, so, so, <coughs> uh, so <coughs> maybe. Now, for some individuals, even some individuals, maybe might works just being in one side, maybe just in the ultimate truth. Maybe that's possibility. I think, you know, somehow just being into the state of ultimate reality, that bigger picture, and <laughs> then you know somehow due to the you know strong karmic previous life karmic uh, as a disposition might able to kind of not losing the balance even though individual never give attention into the conventional reality just staying into the ultimate truth <coughs> so so now in in another way uh conventional truth and uh, and ultimate truth maybe we can look at it in our own daily life you know like we have a mind that very detail oriented maybe usually maybe in our life maybe we are much more kind of if we look at our energy consumption of our consciousness <laughs> 80 percent is consumed by the detail <laughs> And uh, not renewable. 
you know, unrenewable 80% energy consumption with a conventional reality. Okay, so it's like a just you know constantly wasting, and uh, and if we are lucky enough, we get to the 20% of our ultimate truth. <laughs> energy was applied, supply or applied through ultimate truth. Okay, so. Uh, so maybe in the true truth, in in kind of in a function in our human psych, human thought process, uh, maybe there is a, this kind of like a, we get so disappointed and and uh, kind of like a, you know losing the peace of a mind, because maybe this kind of eighty percent of energy was consumed by the conventional reality. It's just kind of like a elaboration. Uh, detailness, you know, kind of that kind of card into uh, that one, and uh, alt so there is a never have a time to have a space and the fresh air to able to breathe, and that's therefore like you know we get like kind of more, more I should say this, clo close, more cl cluster. Claustrophobic awareness. <laughs> we should have our claustrophobic awareness and emotion. So maybe true truth is basically giving us exercising that we, at uh, the minute we hit that ground, is the hitting that ground reminds us need to get back, get back into a spacious awareness, getting back into that one. So basically, maybe true truth is a, a language about how the consciousness can breathe. Basically, maybe there's another way to look at it. Maybe inhale and exhale. Maybe true truth is basically, you know, the language for how usually our body breathe. You know, if it's a mind breathing, consciousness breathing, is a maybe true truth is the language of how the consciousness can breathe, our emotion can breathe. Uh, maybe ultimate truth is. Uh, Inhaling, conventional reality is exhaling about our our in you know, awareness level in a consciousness level. So maybe the teaching of a true truth is maybe simple as that to look at it. That's also a little bit new age. I'm looking. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> if my teacher say if I'm saying this, he may scold for me what you're talking. <laughs> so this just stay here. <laughs> Maybe he will say, like, you taught true truth is a breathing, it is a degenerated sign. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it's just, I think, another way to look at it, true truth, as uh, uh, how we kind of breathe our consciousness and awareness. Maybe we are just exhaling all the time, exhaling, only exhaling, and not inhaling. About. So that kind of inhaling element is kind of like an ultimate reality, coming back into the base foundation. Okay. <coughs> so, uh, so that's that's kind of like a, uh, you know, without you know awareness or abiding of a true truth, you know, consciousness and emotion cannot, you know, if that. <laughs> Cannot be alive, basically. It is cannot be alive. Uh, cannot be alive. So, <coughs> so basically, um, so, 
so now if if that is the case we we have to we have to uh how you say application of a true truth we have to be ahead now <laughs> no so uh so now it's coming to any circumstances, any situation, I think, any situation, any condition, any situation, our own individual issues and kind of collective issues, any situation, I think, you know, somehow we're able to inhale and exhale through the consciousness level, like, you know, able to stand back and having that kind of bigger picture, again, going back into engaging. Uh, so that kind of like... A, I think if, if we're able to do that, yeah, then maybe, yeah, definitely, uh, we are applying the practice of a true truth related with our emotion and our, our consciousness. And, you know, so <coughs> that will make it definitely much more. There's uh, <coughs> one of the Lama Tsongkhapa's writing, he says, Shana yomi ri yongbo shi tana gebe mi ba kuin lakir gusem lesuri with descendants. He says, like, our consciousness hopefully be like a mountain, is a still mountain. That mountain doesn't, that mountain go through hurricane, beautiful sun shining, but still it is a, a stillness is there, you know, kind of grounded. But at the same time, it have the strength to attract so many different lives and uh, different, uh, you know, climates and so on. So, so it is interactive, but it is still very grounded, like a mountain. Uh, so it makes a very alive. Okay. Uh, so, so basically, <coughs> uh, concept of a true truth. Um, In a few weeks ago, <coughs> I was in the week before talking about the meditation app. <laughs> I was talking. I was a little bit kind of like a, a reacting for meditation, different meditation apps. But now today, I'm kind of liking. Yeah, maybe it's good to have a meditation <laughs> app. <laughs> this morning, I said, oh, maybe the apps are really good. Uh, yeah, it's just kind of like a pilot light. Those apps are like a pilot light. It's just kind of like a then, it kind of help us to. To kind of you know slowly you know, <laughs> hopefully we have to then suddenly smartphone becomes our own root guru. <laughs> and the, and the center of the your merit field your own smartphone. <laughs> Nobody told me that. <laughs> 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 oh. <laughs> 
Maybe this app's first thing, like how many lazy things it can detect. <laughs> we have to have a <laughs> detecting how much lazy stuff you're being. <laughs> the thought, you know, like keep beeping. Oh yeah, this the minute you get lazy thought, <laughs> it beeps up. <laughs> so, so we have to find that's much more, you know, kind of advanced technology. Somehow it's able to detect. Hey, you know, I'm I have like. Oh, I have a, like 108 laziness today. <laughs> Only today. <laughs> Maybe possibility. <laughs> Suddenly you want to take off that. <laughs> you know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I think uh, the mala, the this um, we know we have this mala, and I think it's like an ancient app. <laughs> Ancient time, they have a this app. Basically, I think it's meant to be like a, uh, if you have a virtue thoughts, and then you have like kind of represent virtue beats, and yeah, that's one good one. <laughs> <laughs> and you have it. <laughs> yes, it's it's all the right timing, and <laughs> and uh, non-virtue thoughts happens. You have a you know, symbolic of that beats. You kind of put. I think the. Initially, I think uh, the beats, this mala concept came through that, and really to, to kind of like an app that gives you feedback. Okay, then in the evening you say, hey, like, I have a bunch of <laughs> negative beats. Uh, so, <coughs> so anyway, I think, uh, uh, okay. What things else? We come <laughs> from the two truths, so we came to the app. <laughs> I get back to that. <coughs> okay. Uh, then I think, uh, now I think, uh, for sake of our thoughts and emotions, in uh, what you know, sometimes I think when you say, what should I do daily meditation and daily practice? I think before when this question comes, for what? I think we have to get very clear. When you say, I want to do something daily practice, and you just for what? We have to get very clear, for what? <laughs> Everybody's doing, my friend's doing, so I need the same thing. And it's not so very clear, for what? I think we have to be very clear, for what we need daily practice. I want I want to have a daily practice, and we have to be very clear meditating. You know, if you don't see clearly why I need daily practice, if you don't see very why I need daily practice, and you, then you're trying to creating daily practice, I think it's a disaster. It's going to not going to work because you don't see 
why I need to daily meditation. Oh, my mind is really chaos, but that's not good enough. We have to be more clear. We, we, you know, we need to treat, <coughs> like for example, okay, I need to do some yoga practice. Why? Because behind my mind, my back hurts. <laughs> I'm stiff. All this I don't want to bear. So this very clear, very clear, very specific, very clear that why I want to do go to yoga and I should do yoga and you know it's very clear. And we have to have a, when before setting our own daily practice, we have to have a very clear why, for what, where's the aching, <laughs> where's the pain, where's the stiffness. You know, that's we need to get very clear. Once we have that very clear, then our meditation, daily practice, we become really medicine. Otherwise, our daily practice becomes kind of like, a, again, another things to do and you're trying to push and furthermore stressed into our own daily things to do. <laughs> okay, so, so I think, uh, <coughs> I think getting that very clear, uh, and then, of course, sometime, you know, usually if you think from that that point point of view, it becomes a little bit more practical. But then, sometimes danger is so much like a self-driven. What I needed. <laughs> then again, that is the long term that way we want to work with uh, that kind of like what I, what my, you know, sometimes there is a uh, this challenge can happen. Like, oh, I'm thinking too much. What I needed, I have to something do. Nothing have to do with the me. <laughs> And sometimes can happen that, but I think at the beginning that kind of a balance, <coughs> daily practice, daily meditation, getting very clear because we need to te treat Buddha's guidance and everything's like a medicine, like a medicine. So if the medicine, then we need to really finding you know, before choosing any kind of medicine, and then finding choosing for what, for what. Like so, therefore, and usually our answer will be like for everything. <laughs> but again, there must be some top ten. <laughs> that kind of like the uh, number one, ch top ten, number one chart. That <laughs> the standing there for almost three years. <laughs> so we need to kind of catch that one. And then I think, uh, you know, strategizing, I think, looks like a really daily practice as a strategizing what I need to walk through, what I need to walk through. And I think the common problem is the number one to how to work with the laziness. I think that's kind of like the collective, this kind of like, <coughs> and, uh, you know, anyway, therefore, Lamrim is saying, like, uh, basically, I think it would be good to create Meditation on the impermanent app. <laughs> meditation in the death impermanent app. That would be like, I think that can be really effective for everything, like mindfulness. You know, like I think the word death, death impermanent looks a little bit scary, but we have to have a different word. But that will that will take care of everything. I think. <laughs> Okay, okay, that's good. Okay, here it's already starting, so I think we need to more invest it into this one. <laughs> Something that you know, like uh, it, it can be very powerful. I think meditation is impermanent. Lots of our <coughs> childhood problem can be disappeared. <laughs> you 
you know, this is can be like basically uh, meditation in a daily impermanent basically puts you naturally to move forward and not get digging in stuck into the past and something like you know just brings you in immediately into the present moment. You know, so <coughs> so that's I think will be But I didn't, I heard this app, what you call the ha new habit, new habit, but I didn't get a chance to go in. <laughs> but anyway, I think that uh, uh, am I becoming like a computer programmer <laughs> talking about app? <laughs> it's all about the app. Okay. <coughs> yeah, so I think oh yeah, that I think that's I think that's really important the uh basically impermanent and uh meditation emptiness once you have that. These two these two in our you know, kind of the the magical vitamin for our own consciousness. <laughs> You know, cures everything. I think is kind of like a impermanent and uh, meditation of emptiness. Meditation emptiness kind of looks. Uh, yeah. Anyway, meditation of shunya subhava. Uh, these two will be <coughs> somehow we have to uh, simplify because. Of course, when you're looking into philosophical text, it's is it getting into the detail, so it makes complex, but somehow able to uh, translate into our own daily function. You know, there's uh, I was uh, traveling, and uh, there's one my one of my friend Geshe, and he is a very t he teach very traditionally. He teach very traditionally, and the students they get like a. It is very traditional. So students get like a really, you know, kind of like a struggling with the terminology, and they. Then I told, discuss with him, you know, like maybe. You need to kind of. Look at it, the way to communicate, to making more relevant and uh, the things. And then he told me, then isn't it you are diluting. <laughs> Yeah, I think even naturally, I think we as uh, you know who are trying to studying Buddha's teaching, I think we need to be able to navigate through very complex to very simple version. We're not necessarily stuck with a simple version, or neither we stuck with a very complex. Somehow we able to integrate it, move through very complex and technical, conceptual or thoughts able to process. But able to see through lens of a simple city, you know. I think that's. I think. I think when we learn philosophical text, I think we we're learning very complex and very kind of like a complicated things. But at the same time, we we have able to move through these two. I think it's very important. Okay. <coughs> okay. Uh, sorry, you know, my new age topic of two truths. <laughs> okay. Uh, so that's pretty much. Uh, so we'll do a <coughs> first. Let's stay a little bit calm down. I I, I need to calm down too. <laughs> so we'll do a little bit. 
a silent meditation to just let's come down all of us <laughs> into shamatha okay <coughs>